book of Mark, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If you can uh, rise for the reading of God's word, we're in Mark chapter 10. Been in Mark for a little over a year, and it has been so wonderful, so transforming. I never like to get too far away from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So uh, we'll do a Gospel, then we'll, do, we'll jump into another uh, book or letter in the uh, New Testament, but then we'll come right back. And I intend to do that until the Lord takes me home, because just studying the life of Jesus is so critical. Studying the life of Jesus is so critical, and uh, including what he has for us, Jesus speaks, is going to speak to us this morning. Mark chapter 10, we are in verse 13. Let's read together. Verse 13, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked, meaning corrected, those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, meaning listen now and listen very carefully. That's what that means. Assuredly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Verse 16, and he took them up in his arms. He laid his hands on them and blessed them. So Father, we ask for that blessing now. Lord, we ask for it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And thank you, Lord, that just as you did here, you remove all ob obstacles, anything keeping us away from you, you remove it. Just as you removed the obstacle of the disciples, trying to prevent someone getting to you. Lord, I, 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 we agree that w and, and declare, just as your word does here, Lord, if there's anyone at fault ever when it comes to you and us not getting close, it's our fault, Lord. So we come to you, believing your promise that says, when you seek me and find me, you will, when you seek me, you shall find me when you search for, with me for, for me with all your heart, Lord. We believe that. And Lord, now with all our hearts, and if there's any man or woman or child in here that all their heart is not here with them, Lord, do the work in the heart, Lord. Circumcise it, Lord. Please do the surgery. Take out the scalpel. Do the work. 
that with all our hearts and our minds, Lord, we may encounter you, we may see you, we may be joined to you, we, we may be taken up in your arms. Lord, as a man, oh, that seems, that seems childish, that doesn't seem manly, but that's exactly what I need as a man, Lord, to be taken up in your arms. Lord, rid me of my pride, rid us all of our pride, Father. And Lord, take us up in our arms and speak to us and bless us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So verse 13 of Mark chapter 10 says, Then they brought little children to him. Then they brought little children to him. No doubt referring to the children's parents. It says they, meaning the parents, brought their children to Jesus. So parents, and we have more parents here today than, or more children of parents here today than we did a year and a half ago, 13 kids during the COVID period, the pandemic in our church. Parents, do you bring your children to Jesus Christ? Parents, do you bring your children to Jesus Christ? Do you do that? Do you take them to the Bible and read it to them? In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says Jesus Christ is the word. He is the Bible. Do you, parents, take your children to the word? Do you take them to church? Every week, at least once, do you take them to church? Do you bring your children to Jesus Christ? In the Bible, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 says the church is the body of Christ. Ephesians 5, um, verse I think 25 says the church is, uh, that we as the church are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Parents, do you take your children to church? Do you do that? On Tuesday nights, by the way, we have a children's program called the Gospel Project, the Gospel of Jesus Christ Project. I encourage you parents to bring your children to the uh, Tuesday night service. I teach through the Bible, through the Old Testament. In fact, Josh, who was just up here, recited the verses that I taught on last Tuesday night. We're at 2566 Washington Street, about a mile away in Roxbury, every Tuesday night. We have a children's program there. I, I encourage you uh, to bring your kids there. By doing that, you will be taking them to Jesus Christ. 
Consider this, parents, moms, dad. Listen up very carefully. Each of your children or your child, your child, your children, each of them has a soul and that soul will either live for eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. Do you hear me? Could there be anything more important, parents, than bringing your children to Jesus Christ? Again, verse 13, they, parents, brought their little children to Jesus Christ. Interestingly, you can't see this in the English translation, but in the Greek, the verb tense is masculine, meaning that some or all of these parents were men. Men, fathers, are you bringing your children to Jesus Christ? Are you reading the Bible to them? Are you, are you leaving that up to mom? Are you doing that? Shame on you if that's the case. As the spiritual leader of your home, you should be the leader in this area, gathering your children together to have a family reading and devotion time, men, is your responsibility. And I can tell you, with five kids, especially when um, they were little, that wasn't happening unless it was me. My wife was too exhausted. It's your responsibility, men. The verb tense here is masculine. They brought their children to Jesus Christ. Men. Fathers. Fathers, are you bringing your children to Jesus Christ? Are you taking them to church? Or are you leaving that to mom? Again, verse 13, they brought their little children to Jesus Christ. Also, a lot lost in the English translation is the meaning of the word brought. They brought their children to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> that word brought in the Greek, it's the word prospero. Now, most of the time in the New Testament, the word prospero is translated offer. When you offer something to someone, you are offering it to them to keep it. For example, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it says that the magi, the wise men, right after Jesus was born, offered or presented to Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They weren't offering those things. And then, to, and, and then when they left, oh, by the way, can we have the gold back? No, they, no, they didn't do that. So Mark chapter 10, verse 13 could be translated correctly, they offered their little children to Jesus Christ. Parents, are you offering your children to Jesus Christ? Have you given your children over to him as Hannah did? The mother of Samuel in the book of 1 Samuel, first couple chapters, go read them. It's your homework. Fantastic verses. Wonderful woman of God. And, and, and who, by the way, had a, a wonderful man of God as a husband. And it has been said, listen, parents, present and future, the whole duty 
your whole duty as parents is to offer your children to Jesus Christ. Or, I'm just challenging you, speaking to my own heart as well, though my kids are older, I, I, I can still get this wrong. Or is it their future career that you're offering them to? Is it their future education that you're offering them to? Is it their success in sports? Hard for me. I was an utter sports addict, junkie, my entire youth. Is it their, their comfort and security and safety and health that you are offering them to? Calvary Chapel parents, I beg you, I really mean it, I beg you, offer your children up to Jesus Christ for, uh, for him to do whatever he sees fit. I assure you, by at least a hundred different promises in the Bible, believe me, there's going to be a blessing for them when you do. Believe me, and I say this as personal experience, not only a blessing on them, for it's me right now, I am the most blessed man in the world as far as I'm concerned. Because what is going on with my children? Isaiah 54 verse 13 says this, and the Lord spoke to me when my children were really young, and he branded this verse on my heart as a promise to me, all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. So back in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. The parallel account in the book of Matthew says that he might touch them and pray for them. It's great. I've, I've reminded you, Calvary Chapel, many times, read the gospel accounts in parallel. It's really easy, by the way, now with the internet, just to parallel, I mean, a Bible harmony. It's on Blue Letter Bible. You can, all the verses are right next to each other. In Matthew, it says that they may touch them and pray for them. Verse 13 continues, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. No, please, no, no children allowed. The master's really busy. Uh, he's busy teaching about the kingdom of God. He's busy healing people. He's talking about important things like what? Marriage and divorce. Remember, for those of you who were here last week, these parents brought their children to Jesus while he was responding to the Pharisees, religious leaders who had come from Jerusalem for the purpose of trapping Jesus. Verse two of this chapter says they were trying to get Jesus in trouble by asking him questions on divorce, knowing that Herod had, had arranged a divorce. The king, who had already executed John the Baptist, had arranged a divorce, it appears, and they wanted this guy, Jesus, eliminated, so they're asking him questions about divorce. And, and, and so they say, come to him and say, is it true that God's law allows us to get a divorce for any reason? Jesus responds, and if you weren't here last week, please listen to the message online. Jesus responds to them in such a way that only Jesus could ever respond. Such a spectacular response. The, the point being here, Jesus is in the middle of this incredibly heavy conversation. 
being attacked by a religious authorities, who can blame his disciples? Hey, no, whoa, whoa, no, 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 not now. Keep the children away. But let's continue to read. Verse 14, and you only see this in the book of Mark. The story is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but you only see this in Mark. But when Jesus saw it, the disciples trying to keep the children away, he was greatly displeased. When Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. Wait a second. What are you doing? What, 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 what are you doing? No, 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 no. You let those kids come right to me right now. That is my priority. It doesn't matter who these people are, the robes they are, the, the qualifications they are, the PhD behind their name, whatever. You bring these kids to me. That's a shocking, shocking scene. Can you imagine being one of these Pharisees? I mean, one of these religious leaders talking to Jesus, talk about being put in your place. I mean, the Pharisees at the time, the most prominent religious group and most influential uh, religious group, if you were a Pharisee and you walked into the room, people shut their mouths and let them have their way. And here, children, little children, interrupt the conversation and Jesus checks out of the conversation with the Pharisees and, and checks in, turns all his attention to children, little children. I remember many years ago when our kids were very small Hey, Stephanie and I were at the house of the pastor. We had dinner with the pastor and his wife at his house. This pastor had raised six children. Every single one of them rebelled and went into the world after they left the house. Every single one of them. By the way, he homeschooled his kids. Homeschooling is, not, is no guarantee whatsoever. It's a wonderful option that some or many of you should be taking, but if you're doing it out of fear, you shouldn't be doing it. And so I, we actually, I'm a very late night person, <laughs> as some of you know, and so is this guy. So we were up, Sefi and I, with him into the wee hours of the morning, and in the way only he could, he goes, I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk now about all the mistakes that I did. Every mistake. Thing, here, Steve and Stephanie, listen to my list of things you should never do with your kids. 
And oh boy, I mean, does that get our attention? Because I knew what was going on. He told us what was going on with their kids. And one of the things that he told us, I, I learned more in that one night than every other parenting book, every other conversation I've had, teaching I've had. I've more, learned more in, about parenting in that night. As well as another night I had with, with a pastor who did things right. <laughs> Then again, all the other books, all the parenting seminars go to humble, godly men and women and learn from them. But one of the things that he said was, uh, Steve, when you're in church and you're talking to someone after the service or before the service and one of your children comes up to you, you stop the conversation that you were in and you talk to your child. As opposed to, look, can't you see I'm talking with someone? When I'm finished with this conversation, you can, I can talk with you. He wasn't suggesting getting into an hour conversation with the child, but, but just seeing what the child wanted, trying to address their situation before continuing the other conversation. His message was, your children need to know that you don't love ministry more than them. Now, not everyone is going to agree with this advice. I understand that. I get that, and I respect that. But oh boy, did Steffi and I run with that. I'm sure we weren't perfect, but we ran with it. My children, and many failures on my part, but I need to do what I can to make sure that they understood that I didn't love ministry more than them, because I don't. And I never have. But I tell you, you get straight away, you get tricked away, you get your flesh goes cut, you start to get anxiety, fear, and, and you start doing stuff like that. Prioritizing ministry or whatever else over your own children. Again, verse 14 says, but when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and he said to them what? Verse 14, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Can you imagine the impact it would have had on a child and the child's parents and everyone looking at the scene? Can you imagine the impact of it? Jesus is having a conversation with important religious leaders who've come all the way from Jerusalem. It's kind of like important dignitaries coming from Washington, D.C., from the government or something. He's having a conversation with them, uh, and, and he becomes very upset with his disciples because parents bringing their children to Jesus, uh, uh, his, his disciples had tried to stop it. Again, he, he stops his conversation becomes very upset with his disciples. And then eventually in verse 16, it says he takes them up into his arms, lays his hands on them, and he blesses them. 
Imagine the impact on the child, on the parents, on every onlooker. Wow. Uh, so this is what this guy, so this is what this guy is really about. Wow. I mean, he speaks truth. He knows truth better than anyone I've ever met in my whole life, but this guy is all about love supremely. He knows the Bible better than anyone I ever met, but he is all about L-O-V-E. So listen. Oh man, have I seen the damage from this. Debating about religious law so extremely common at the time as it is this day. But as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, but I have not love, I'm nothing. Jesus is not suggesting that uh, God's heart on marriage and divorce is not important. As we discussed last week, there can hardly be a more important subject in the Bible. Uh, Ephesians 5.32, Paul says, I tell you a great mystery when I speak about husbands and wife. I speak about Jesus Christ and the church. Husbands and wives are a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and you, Ephesians says. But listen, what Jesus is making loud and clear here is that you never, ever, ever, ever set aside love. Ever. Jesus never stops loving you. Likewise, Christian, you never stop loving others. Never hit the pause button. Never, never, never. Nothing is so important. Nothing, nothing, nothing. God is love. It says in 1 John chapter 4. And then knowing that some of that didn't register with many of us, he repeats it five verses later. God is love. So, but listen, what, uh, what Jesus... Before moving on, um, I, I, I began with this, I think, in, in the opening prayer. Notice, Jesus removing the obstacle that was preventing the children coming to him. He removed the disciples who are getting in the way. Please note, Calvary Chapel, uh, if there's some obstacle between you and Jesus, between you and going to the men's retreat, men, sorry to... Lay down the boom on you here. Uh, but but, but, but pr- pr- it, it, always know this, that it, it's on you, not Jesus, if the obstacle isn't removed. Now, I know there's some things. I mean, if, someone's, if you're in a wedding on the other side of the country, you should be going to that. That's not love. Sorry, I got to go to a men's retreat. I'm not going to be, gonna be in your wedding. No, that, that's silly. But... If my uh, uh, personal experience is any indicator, when I'm not close with Jesus, I can't say, I'm just so busy, there's so much to do. You guys remember the uh, Martin Luther quote? Uh, We know it well. He, He says, I have so much to do, I need at least three hours in prayer. That's Martin Luther for you. That's why we still talk about him, because he was a man of prayer. But the point being is, the more we have to do, the more we need to make sure our life is cleared up so we spend time with Jesus Christ 
And if there's an obstacle there, it's not because of him. He's promised us in his word that he'll remove the obstacles. It's our issue. I speak to my own heart, believe me. So it's, it's um, here we have it here. But let's go on in, uh, again in, in verse 14. It says, when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and, and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. And then verse 15 Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Most of you have heard the term born-again Christians, right? You've heard that. It's because Jesus says in John chapter 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So born again. Do you know there could just as well be another uh, uh, expression called little children Christians? Sometimes people say, oh, born again Christians. It's not the only kind of Christian. Oh, excuse me. Uh, John chapter 3 verse 3 says you cannot be a, a, a Christian unless you're born again. But there could just as well be another expression. I do have some sympathy, a tiny little bit of sympathy for people who say, well, born again Christian, why do you always have to call Christians that? Because it is true. There are other expressions we could have, such as little children Christians, where it says the same exact thing. Unless, Jesus says, unless you, uh, it, it, again, he says in verse 15, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. One of the most difficult funeral, no, not one of the most, the most difficult funeral that I ever did was a funeral I did for a six-month-old child here in Boston. Most of the people in the room were gang members, I would say 80%, at least, or affiliated with a gang. And in my funeral message, I said, there's no question that this young child, this beautiful young baby, is with God, with Jesus Christ in heaven, Right now. That's what the Bible teaches. And the reason I said that was because of verses like these. Jesus makes it clear. He says, little children are in the kingdom of God. I, it, it's clear to me here that that's the case. Little children who pass away go right into the arms of Jesus Christ. It's not like a feel-good thing. It's a Bible thing. That's what it teaches. And verses like this are, are, are what establishes that truth. Of such is the kingdom of God. That's what he said. So I said in my funeral message, again, there's no question that this young child is with Jesus Christ in heaven right now 
That's what the Bible teaches. But the question right now is, when you die, are you going to join this child in heaven? And I went on to give one of the most descriptive messages on hell I've ever given in my life. But not quite as intense and descriptive, by the way, as Jesus' own description in this very same chapter, Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 48. (laughs) But again, here, verse 15, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. It begs the question, how does a little child receive the kingdom of God? We got to know it. We got to get that. As surely as we got to understand what it means to be born again, we got to get what it means. How does a little child receive the kingdom of God? Well, first things first, notice or take note means this, that we don't enter the kingdom of God by first waiting to become older and more mature in our thinking about God. Well, in order to become a Christian, in order to enter the kingdom of God, I need to understand as much of the Bible as as all those people at church. I need to get rid of my temper. I need to become more loving. I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to stop thinking lustful thoughts. No, 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 no. It's not what the Bible teaches. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it's all about grace. It is by grace we're saved, by faith, that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of good works, not trying to work to become more acceptable to God. The Bible teaches, lest anyone should ever boast in heaven before the Lord. It's by grace. It is a gift. We don't enter the kingdom of God by going higher, trying to become a mature adult as a Christian, no, but by coming lower, by becoming as a child. One commentator puts it like this. This is John Daniel Jones. There is in children, number one, a simplicity of mind. Whenever you're talking with someone about what it takes to have a relationship with God and things get complicated, I can tell you right now, something's wrong. It's really, really simple, the gospel. Jesus Christ lived for you, died for you, and rose from the dead for you. That's it. It's that simple. There is in children, John Daniel Jones, he's a Welch guy, lived 100 years ago, a simplicity of mind, a teachableness of spirit. I love that. Few things give me more problems than people who do not have a teachable spirit. Few things get me in trouble before God when I do not have a teachable spirit. And believe me, I'm not above that. There is in children a consciousness of weakness. I remember when my kids were real little, we were going off somewhere, I don't even remember, Steffi and I, and one of our kids said, but but who's gonna babysit us? A consciousness of weakness, a dependence on their parents' care, realizing 
that you're completely, utterly, totally dependent on God for everything, of course, including your salvation, but everything else. And obedience to their parents' commands and a submission to their will. Being a child means being little in your own eyes. Did you hear that? Little in your own eyes. Being a child means not faking it. What you see is what you get. You're not faking it. I remember when our kids uh, were small, going to the photographer, trying to get a family picture. Oh, man, if, if, if you haven't done that yet, uh, I, I'm going to pray for you. I, I really am. Uh, the more kids you have, the oh, uh, trying to get a good family picture. I tell you, when you have four to seven-year-olds, year it's one of the most challenging things in the world. Why? Well, among other things, uh, the, f- the photographer says, smile, and, and a five-year-old goes, and, and, you're, and the photographer's like, oh, okay, you know, I remember this happening. I'm like, uh, uh, Elise, can you just smile like you normally do? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Little children can't fake it. And, and, and Jesus says in verse 15, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Please, Calvary Chapel, I beg you, please, listen, listen to me. Most important thing I've said today, when you go to God, don't fake it. In, in fact, just acknowledge that before God. God, I can't fake it. I, I, I know, who, you know who I am. You know what goes on in my thought life. You know about my anger. You know about my bitterness. You know about my unforgiveness. You, you know about my lustful thoughts, my pride, how I crave the admiration of man. You know the inclination to, I have to substitute so many things for you, sports, social media, video games, clothes, whatever. And it's not by my goodness, God, I I come to you. It's by Jesus Christ's goodness, your son. It's because of his life, his death, his blood, his his resurrection. That's how I come to you. That's how you come to God as a little child. It's really so simple. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. And while they're coming up, I want to ask this question. So what happens when you come to God like that? What happens? What happens when you come to God? Say, God, I can't fake it. You know who I am. You know what goes on in my thought life. You know my anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, unforgiveness, lustful thoughts. What goes on? God, I know it's not by my goodness I come to you. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. What goes on? When you come to Jesus Christ like that, I will tell you, on the basis of the word of God, a promise, verse 16 happens. What does verse 16 say? And he took them up in his arms. He laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. That's what happened. That is what happens when you go to the Lord like that. Oh, such a beautiful picture. Can you imagine those kids being taken up in the arms of the Lord? You actually don't have to. He'll do it with you. If you've been asked to pray, as a prayer couple, you could come up at this time. Everyone else can stand. We're going to sing a closing worship song.
Oh, how wonderful it is every week preparing God's word for you, Calvary Chapel. It just does such a deep work in my heart. If anything at all has been stirring in your heart, has stirred in your heart, has convicted you. Parents, last week, married couples came up. Could I get another, Guillermo, can I have another couple right here, please? And I, actually, Stephanie's not, not with me. Elise, can you come on? Uh, this is Elise. I want you to smile. A good smile, okay? <laughs> My daughter's going to come up. <laughs> you can come up. So last week we had uh, husbands and wives come up and I got to tell you, it was such an encouragement to me just to see some married couples come up after that message. You talk about humility. You know, the Bible says that God will oppose the proud. Man, if you refuse to come up when he's telling you to come, married couple or parent, the Bible says he'll oppose you. But he will exalt the humble. It was such an encouragement to see married couples come up last week and ask for prayer. I'm just going to do the same thing for, for parents now, regardless of what age your children is. If something is stirred in your heart and you would like prayer. Come on up. Give a brief closing prayer and then worship and we'll pray. Father, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, just thanking you. I personally thank you, Lord, just for the work you did in my heart, even as I was preparing this message. I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, also for that you would complete the task Lord, the business you've done with us. Lord, if there's anything parents know, it's a great difficulty. It's a, it's a warfare. It's Satan's involved in bringing our family, our kids to Jesus Christ. There's spiritual warfare. There are assaults on the family. Our families are being assaulted today. Lord, I don't want to minimize the difficulty of bringing a child to Jesus Christ. Bringing a child to church, especially in the teenage years, Lord. We can, we can no longer drag them. We can't pray for them if they don't want to come. Father, I, I, I pray for parents that you'd empower them, empower us. I pray, Lord, for just a spirit of prayer here, a spirit of encouragement. You didn't come here to beat us down. You came here to take us up in your arms and to bless us. Just continue that, Lord, as, as we close. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, come up for prayer if you like, and let's worship.